unspoken with Chad Matson. And usually in the course of those concerts, the lead singer or someone will share something from their heart, and it's always good. But Chad shares some things that showed a depth of his heart that really struck us and realized there were things down in his heart that I really believe, we really believe, that would be a benefit to this congregation at this time. And I know it's not the normal format for preaching the Word, but he's got the Word in his heart. And I'm just, we're going to let him go with however he, he would like to bring this to us this morning. He's also brought with him one of his associates from the band, Matt. And so I'm going to invite you guys up here to turn this over to you. Do your thing. Let us give a Faith Christian Center welcome to Chad and to Matt. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so Mr. Matt Calloway from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we're so happy to have a young fellow in our group. Uh, he's 20 in his 20s. Wow. I remember what that was like. Um, okay. So uh, I was asked about this and a couple years ago, I spent my whole life in uh, adult life in ministry. This February, I celebrated uh, 18 years of sobriety and walking with Jesus. So that's been a beautiful thing. And I grew up in church, and my parents taught me about Jesus, and I'm so grateful for the deposit, the, the faith, the, um, the foundation that my parents gave me. And just as, a, um, as a, an encouragement, um, know that Philippians 1.6, God, he starts a work, and God, he finishes that work. That's a paraphrase, but yeah, that's what it's saying. And if you look at creation, when has God ever started a work and not finished it? Anything he puts his hands to, and I just speak that over your children out there today. Um, because I was one of those kids at 12 coming to church and, and knowing that God was real. I experienced God. I saw miracles with my own eyes. I, I really knew God was real, but the problem was I didn't know God, really. I didn't know Jesus. I never hung out with God. You know, I would come into his presence. I would acknowledge he was real. I would understand that I was a sinner in need of a savior. I knew it was him that could, the only one who could save me, but I didn't know him. And so when I went out to live my life, you know, what was I working with? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So our culture is full, isn't it, of follow your way. Whatever you want to do, go searching for it. And we see in the Word of God that that only ends in death. So um, my story real quick. Uh, back in 2003, I was an addict. I spent six days sober in three years. I was selling drugs. I was living in the basement of a drug house in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, um, and my life was just, was a wreck, no peace, um, no purpose, no hope. Um, and I happened to work for, I'm going to go off in a weird place here, but I just want to say how cool God is. Ain't nobody gonna hold back what God has for those who love him, for what God has planned for those who love him. So here I am in drug, drug addiction and all of that, and my brother and I had a landscaping company, and that landscape company, we lived in, uh, in near Bar Harbor, Maine, which is a place where people just like you, strap hangers, city folk, they come up in the summer, and they have their summer houses. I mean, Pastor even has a little a house in, in Maine, a little summer house. And so we would work for these people, and there was a guy named, um, let me think, Greg Carroll. Greg Carroll was uh, a white guy who was a practicing Hindu. He was, um, uh, his family owned a cable company, but he got bored in his 30s, very wealthy. Bored in his 30s, became a doctor and started doing missions trips all over the world with the Hindu church, I guess you would call it. He also was, um, he lived an alternative lifestyle as well, okay? 
And so as I'm going through my addiction, I'm talking a little bit about, and I've always loved people. I'm just so excited to be able to play music um, because it puts me around people. And, and I love people, and, I, and I, now I love the Lord. I want to tell people as much as I can what Jesus has done for me. And we're going to get into the Word here, but I just want to give you a little backstory. Normally I have, uh, you know, 45 minutes of music that people might know and uh, connectability, and now I'm just trying to, you know, make up the difference here that we're not going to do that as much. Um, so I had mentioned to, to, to my client, uh, Greg Carroll, that, uh, you know, I had this opportunity to go on this missions trip and maybe God was in the middle of it. And uh, I've always been kind of honest and bold and I knew where he stood and what his life was like. But I just was going to talk about my life and all that. And he told me, hey, listen, um, the problem was is that I, I wanted to go on this missions trip. My brother brought me a, a card home from a missionary that had preached at our church. And he said, I think you should do something with your life. And of course, I was thinking, what am I going to do on a missions trip? Um, you know, I'm an addict. Uh, this is Dominican Republic. I failed French in high school. There ain't no way. How am I going to communicate? What's it going to be? But I called this missionary and said, yo, can I come hang out with you? And he said, sure. What's the group? And, you know, a group of people coming down. And I said, there ain't no group. It's just me. Can I come? And he's like, uh, okay, uh, l- let me talk to your pastor. And I was like, oh, God, no, no, not Pastor Bert. But our bass players, John, and he was our, my pastor growing up. His dad was my pastor growing up, and he was, he was honest. He said, you know, the kid's a little sketchy, but we believe that God's working in his life. And I'm just telling you right now, we write off so many people around us because we don't see the potential of who they can be in Jesus, and we don't see that God may be working right there in the peace, people that you least expect him to be working in. So that was me. He told the truth. The truth hurt, but it was real. And God was working in my life. Even in the midst of all the drug addiction and, and the selling and that whole culture is so dark. Um, and so I had mentioned to my client that, um, uh, you know, that I wanted to go on this mission trip, but I owed a drug debt that I couldn't pay. So I was broke, basically. And, um, and he said, shoot, you know, if you want to go on this trip, I'll I'll buy your plane ticket and I'll give you $500 to give to the missionary down there. Now, this is a guy that lived an alternative lifestyle, a guy that, you know, was was a practicing Hindu. I mean, in the least likely of places. And it makes me so excited to know that God will make a way if God wants there to be that way for you, you know? Not through, he doesn't have to use the church. He can use anybody. And I, I've been thinking recently in my, in my own life, I picked up uh, the game of golf. Um, now that I'm overweight and, and uh, my back hurts and I can't do real sports anymore. So I think, oh, I'll play golf during the pandemic. And um, so I went out and I went out and played with my kids. And, uh, and I was out there in the, this beautiful golf course uh, in Tampa. We were out on a, the Hits Deep tour with Toby Mac uh, just recently. And, uh, and I was looking around and I was like, man, it's so crazy that the trees, the, 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 the ocean, the mountains, every insect, every, every animal, they know that God is God over all creation. They don't have to, to work it out in their minds. They just give God praise because God is real, because they know he exists. They know who he is. And I was like, man, I wish we weren't so stupid. You know, we're so smart that we're so stupid that, you know, we have to be convinced. We have to do all this, all these different things. But um, we were out on this, uh, so I went on this missions trip, and there I, I read the Bible. I locked myself in a room for an hour every day, and I read the Bible, and I prayed, and, and God, he radically tra- transformed my life. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, okay, but be transformed by the renewing of your n- mind. Another translation says, let God change the way you think. How are you going to let God change the way you think if you don't hang out with God? If you don't get in God's word? 
And for me, it was there in a 12 by 12 uh, room that I shared with two Dominican pastor kids um, that were kind of pre-teens and didn't have deodorant and there was no air conditioning. I mean, these were rough conditions, people. But it was that room. I started to read the Bible and pray and I set that timer and I literally would say, dang, there's 30 minutes left. Shoot, I guess I'll read in Daniel, and I go to Daniel, and I, I guess I'll read about David and Goliath, all the stories that I knew. I began to read the Bible, and God's Spirit began to work inside of me, and He started to you know, change me from who I was to who He's called me to be. And even now in this moment, He's continually transforming me into the man that I want to be. Sometimes I don't know I want to be that man, but I do. Um, and so read the Bible, pray, and that's how my life changed around. I met a guitar player in the Dominican who was a Dominican uh, citizen. And uh, after two months of being down there, he moved back to Maine with me, which was a cruel joke by the Lord, bringing the kid from Dominican to Maine of all places. He kept, he always said, Lord, why not Miami? Um, but we went and ended up in Bar Harbor. And, uh, we bought my grandparents' 1994 Shark Blue Fleetwood Cadillac and um, had enough room for one of us to sleep in the front, one of us to sleep in the back, and our gear to go in the trunk. And we started traveling around uh, playing music, using music uh, as a way to get people's attention so that we could tell them about what Jesus has done in my life. And I'm, I literally, I, I'm blown away to see 18 years, 18 years later, you know, the platform that God has given me. And, um, and I'm blown away because I know that there's people in this place right now um, that are maybe um, not where they want to be. And there's a purpose for that. God's working in that. And that's what we're going to look at in, in Psalm 63. That God has a purpose in the wilderness. And often we find ourselves there. Um, but he ain't finished working yet. And, you know, I'm just blown away to see that, uh, that he's a rewarder. Hear me. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's who God is. And so, anyway, I just want to give you a little bit of my story. I want to read this. I'm not going to make you stand. Um, but, uh... I'm going to read this because I think you'll get it a little better. We'll probably read it at least twice today. This is Psalm 63, a psalm of David regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. Father, we just pray that you'd speak to us through your word. God, you don't need me up here talking all kind of things to, to make this word more than it is. God, it is your word, life-giving, truth, eternal. And we ask that you'd speak to us by your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Well, one of the things that's interesting to me about this psalm right here is that David is in the wilderness. This doesn't seem like a wilderness prayer to me. This seems like a, I came out of the wilderness and now I'm, I'm saying these things because you led me through. 
But David saying, in the wilderness, this is a psalm of David regarding a time when in the wilderness of Judah. Now, I want to talk just a quick second, and I'm, 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 I'm going to try hard not to pretend that I'm a preacher. I'm just a guy who likes to share about the Word of God and how it speaks to me. And so as I get into researching these things, sometimes I think, oh, maybe I could be that smart guy that says all those smart things. I ain't that guy. And I'm going to try hard not to go into all these details. But it's neat. It's neat. First of all, David says this. Oh, God, you are my God. Okay, he's proclaiming here um, the authority of God, right? His commitment to follow God, to not waver when situations get bad. And he says, you're my God. And it's, it's interesting, if you read in Psalm 139, you know, it's, it's all about the personal. You, you look at all the Psalms. I've been studying the Psalms for about a year now. And a, a lot of these come back to, it's, he's not just God, but he's my God. And it's, and it's good to remember, like sometimes I feel like it's easy to believe God for other people. But it's hard to believe God for ourselves when it comes. Like for some reason, I just... I, I really believe that for you, but for me, I don't know if he's going to show up, but here he is. He's, he's my God. He's your God. I earnestly search for you. I think the cool thing about the wilderness is, um, is that we all end up there in some time of our life. Most of us are either coming out of or going into or there right now. And often, if you're like me, you kind of complain and get irritated and you don't like it, which is normal. But there's all sorts of reasons why people end up in the wilderness. David ended up in the wilderness for two reasons. One, as a younger man, he ended up in the wilderness because uh, Saul was jealous of him and he wanted, he wanted his head. It wasn't his fault, but he ended up in the wilderness regardless. Okay. The second reason is when David... Um, had an affair with Bathsheba and blah, blah, blah. Dysfunction came into their home. And later in life, uh, his son Absalom uh, tries to take over David's kingdom. And David takes his close people and runs into the wilderness of Judah, the same place where David was a young man. Do you know that David was in the wilderness after the prophet came to his house Okay, after Samuel came to his house, anointed him as the next king. Okay, he lived his life. He was a shepherd boy. He defeated Goliath. He did all these amazing things. And yet he still spent 10 to 15 years in the wilderness. Running from Saul. This wasn't quick. He spent a significant amount of time in the wilderness. And I just, I can't help but think that we've done a disservice in our, in our Christian culture to preach a gospel that serves you and that serves me. We have preached and we've tried to convince all the people around us, man, listen, God is here to serve you and, and, and come in because it's going to get easier and better. And the, the truth is, the things that really matter in life, the older I get, the more I want peace, okay? Peace in my finances, peace in my relationships, peace in my own head, peace in my heart, health and peace in my body. It's peace that we're looking for, and that kind of peace is only found in Jesus Christ. But, you know, we, we come in and we offer all the people that we're bringing into the kingdom, like as if we have to convince them to get, get in here and here are the benefits and the benefits aren't necessarily physical. Now, I know that God, and if you look at Psalm 23, did an extensive study. It is unbelievable. It's the most famous Psalm, uh, scripture probably in the Bible, more famous than, psalm, uh, than uh, John 3.16. And if you research and you look at that Psalm right there, God is a shepherd to his kids. Like, there ain't no denying he's going to provide. He is going to show up for you. He is going to protect you. He is going to do all the things that we, that we talk about. But the fact of the matter is, our culture does a lot, a lot of trying to convince people to come in because here's a gospel that serves you. 
And here God has called David, right, to serve him as king of Israel, to lead his people, his chosen people, in the right way, in the way they should go. And, you know, if it was me, I'm just thinking Goliath, I'm thinking the promises of God, I'm thinking all of it, and I'm like, what am I doing in the wilderness? What are you doing? And I think often that maybe God has spoken something over your life. Maybe somebody's given you a prophetic word that you take that prophetic word, you go to the Bible. You know, it always, you always have to match those things up with the scriptures. Okay? But maybe God's given you a promise or a passion or some kind of thing that you haven't seen yet. And you just need to be reminded that God's working. He's doing his thing. David didn't take over his kingdom for 10 to 15 years after he was in the wilderness. There was more time before that. David and Goliath and all that. And I think, you know, okay, so David's in the wilderness. Went on a little tangent there, I'm sorry. Israel ended up in the wilderness because of disbelief and disobedience. There's another reason why we can end up in the wilderness. Nobody's going to escape it. Okay? Israel wound up in the wilderness. And you got here in uh, Joshua 5. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all of the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord and they had vowed that he would not let them enter the promised land. So disobedience sometimes a reason that we're in the wilderness. Cool thing about this though is that it's not like the wilderness is like, it's a place where kind of external comforts are stripped away. But it's not like, if you look at any of these stories of people who find themselves in the wilderness, God still provided for them. God still was with them. And if you look back at your own life, if I look back at my own life and those, those wilderness experiences, I still see God in the middle of it. Yet when I'm in the middle of a, of a wilderness experience presently, then I'm like, man, where's God? Man, I, is he going to provide? Of course he's going to provide. He's done it every other time. Why are we so stupid? It's probably, you know, it's a... Okay. Then you got Moses, right? And I meant to do Moses first, but Exodus 2.15 um, says, Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian, the wilderness. He led a flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. That's where God met him in the, in the burning bush. Sometimes you end up in the wilderness because you're afraid. Fear drives you into the wilderness. Fear. Um, and the cool thing is, is that it was in the wilderness where God petitioned Moses. So I'm reading through these stories and I'm like, wow, there's like, there's a lot of purpose in the wilderness. There's a lot of purpose. And then we think like, we look at Moses and he went out into the wilderness from, from Egypt and here he meets a wife. He got a father-in-law that's dope. He's got, uh, you know, he's, he's working, he's being provided for. It's still not like the worst, uh, circumstances, you know, it's not like he's got nothing. I'm trying to say that God can still give us a full life while we're in the wilderness. That's what I'm trying to say. So Moses goes in because of a mistake that he makes, and he ends up in the wilderness. And then Jesus, right after, right after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, puts him under the water, and then this dude hears, you know, dove comes down, and audible voice of God, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The very next verse, this is Matthew 4.1, then Jesus was led to the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. Wait a minute. There's no way that this gospel that's here to serve me would lead me into the wilderness. The difference is Jesus came to serve us. And here we are wanting to serve God on our terms, as long as it doesn't have anything to do with the wilderness, God. Ooh, I'll serve you. My whole, I feel like my whole life has been 
wilderness-esque. And I'm, I'm just telling you right now, as I look back at it, I mean, I spent, you know, we had uh, five guys in the band. I made $1,000 a month for over a decade playing just as many shows as I do now, over 100 shows. I made $250 a week for over a decade. I had a wife. I had kids. You know, I was playing 100 shows. I had to go out. I was landscaping. I was working. I was, I mean, this is like, that feels pretty wilderness, especially for my wife. We're gone. I'm gone and we're poor. It's a double whammy. But I look back at my life and I just, I, I, I honestly am so grateful because it's in the wilderness where God prepares us for the things that he's called us to. And we see this, and we see this with David. In order to establish a kingdom, I'm trying not to be too smart, but I'm going to get somewhere. In order to establish a kingdom, you need three things, okay? Four. You need a king. You need a priest. You need a prophet. And you need an army, okay? David goes out into the wilderness, and God gives him a priest, a prophet, and an army, okay? This shows me right here that, you know, you can find the priest is Abathar, 1 Samuel 22, army, 1 Samuel 23, and I couldn't find where Nathan was. My internet wasn't working. Um, and I'm just here to say this, that it's in the wilderness that God prepares us for what he's called us to do. And as I look back at my life and I see the doors that God's opened for me, I'm, I'm blown away and I'm grateful because I really don't want success more than I want Jesus. I really don't. And I really don't want money more than I want Jesus. I don't. I, the wilderness taught me to be reliant on God. And to know that here David is in this psalm. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life itself. Do you know God like that? Do you know God as his love for us is better than life itself? It's better than anything this life can give us or provide us. And if you don't know God like that, that's, that's all good. You have something to work towards. And one of the things I realize in my life, it's so annoying that the lessons that I learn are not just one time. It's like I have to learn them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's so annoying. It's like I dealt with this and then now I'm back at it again like I never dealt with it before. And I love Psalm 103 uh, says that God is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate because he knows how weak we are and he knows we're only dust. God has made room for you to be you. For you to be human. Okay? So there's no condemnation in that. But I will say that, you know, when I read this psalm, so the reason I got into this psalm was I, on the very last, we went on this Hits Deep tour with Toby Mack, Torn Wells, We Are Messenger, Messengers, and a couple other people. And it was the only tour, this is just in February, the only tour across all genres Okay, not hip hop, not country, not rock, not pop. Nobody was touring in arenas. But Toby had, had determined in his heart that people needed this and he wanted to get out there. And so we sold 35% of the venues uh, kind of thing. And we went out and we did these, these arena tours. And, uh, and every Sunday they do a, uh, like a tour church. And, um, and so... Uh, um, that the last weekend we spent three days in Dallas and uh, because they couldn't sell out the venue in one day, they had to sell it out over three days. And, uh, and about nine o'clock at night, they were having like a tour party because Saturday was the, was the last day. Uh, Sunday was the last show. And so they just wanted to kind of get together and we happened to be playing in a hockey arena. And so all the dumb people went ice skating and the rest of us hung out by a bonfire. Um, and all of that. 
And uh, so <clears throat> we were on this tour, and about 9 o'clock at night, uh, Toby texts me and says, can you do tour church? And I'm like, dang, we're supposed to be hanging out. Like I, and I forgot my Bible and my notes and my devotional. I forgot everything at home in my garage. And so, listen, I will tell you this. Over the last probably three years, two or three years, this is, this is um, a distraction, okay? We waste a lot of time on this. There's no condemnation for that. I sit here and go like this, and I'm like, why did I just waste an hour doing absolutely nothing? I really don't care what that person ate. Um, and, and so a lot of us read, read our Bible here. There ain't nothing wrong with it. But I will tell you this. There's a, there's a company in Connecticut called Paul's Leather Company. And I, I found them online. Um, and I took my Bible and I had it recovered. I had an Oswald Chambers Upmost for His Highest. I had that recovered. I got it when I was married. And, um, and, and I began to actually, actually I got a new Bible. I lost my old one. I lose a lot of things. I put it on the roof of my car and it flew off. And then... Um, and I was so devastated. This was, probably, this was probably 10 years ago. And I was devastated because it was the Bible I had when I first got saved. And I'm all these notes. And God said, well, you're just going to have to make new notes. And I was like, okay. And so, like, I kind of jumped around from Bible to Bible. And then I jumped around on my phone. And, and finally, I was like, you know what? I just need to get a Bible. And I'm sick of doing this on my phone. I've got a Bible. And I just, over the pandemic especially, I began to read this a lot. And I began to hang out with Jesus a lot and began to read the Psalms a lot. And I began to, to make this a priority in my life like I did when I was younger. And, uh, and when I first got saved, get a Bible. Get a journal. Like, you have to be intentional. David says here, earnestly, I seek you. Okay, the word earnestly means sincerely, intensely, with conviction. Why do we think that God is going to speak to us and move in us and use us when we're half-heartedly seeking Him? Well, you know, in between Instagram posts or commercials, I'm going to go and I'm going to read the Bible here and then, and then I'm going to highlight this and never look at it again. And it's like I, I, I've come to this word right here and I begin to underline everything. It's all messy and nasty. And then I'm uh, messing that up. So I got a, a book and I started to just write down the things that God, the verses that stuck out to me and the thoughts that might come. And here's David saying, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And I'm going to get to that in a second. I totally don't do drugs, kids. I just totally went off on some different place. What I was trying to say is that Toby asked me to do this Bible study, 9 o'clock at night. And the night before, or two nights before, our bass player had his Bible because I had forgotten mine. I happened to flip it open. And Matt, we always go and um, uh, sit in the room together before we play and read the Word and talk about it and pray and just ask God to do His thing and kind of gives us focus. And, uh, and so John had that Psalm underline, and I read it. And I, I was like, I read it to, to the guys here. And I honestly felt shame, like I just did. Because I knew that even though I serve God, even though I love Him, this, this isn't me. I don't earnestly search for you. You know, sincere, intense, convict, conviction, seriously, seek God. You know what I do seek? When I lose my phone, I tear my freaking house apart. Seriously. I was convicted. When I lose my phone, I am knocking stuff over, pulling stuff out. I mean, it's intense. I'm in there trying to get after it. And yet, when I read this, this verse in the Bible, I felt shame in my life because I knew I didn't search for God like that. And God said, hey, it's all good. We got a new day. My mercies are new every morning. Listen, he loves you whether you read the Bible or don't. Bible says that you're in his family if you accept the work that Jesus has done on the cross. By faith, you believe it. He loves you. 
But a lot of times, the promises of God, we kind of get what we put in. They're conditional. A lot of the promises are conditional to how we act. Not the love of God. But the blessings of God at times can be conditional. And then again, you know, uh, what is it? Psalm 103 again. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he showers us with love and mercy. Like, so it's not just a, a black and white thing. We get what we deserve. In fact, uh, Jesus got what we deserve. We got what he deserved. That's the, the story for a believer. I'm just trying to tell you that there's blessings and promises in the scriptures that God has given us. Most of us, a lot of us don't even know what they are. And then most of us aren't going after God and, and, and going after that. We're going after those things he can give us. You know, and David realizes, he says, man, God, you are my God. Nothing can take your place. Your love is better than life itself. And I read this, I said, God, help me. Help me know you and want you and seek you and, and run to you like David does over and over and over in the Psalms. And so I'm going to close it kind of quick here, but one of the things that stuck out to me is here's David in the middle of a, of a wilderness. Again, we, all of us to get into wildernesses for all sorts of reasons. But God does it. For David, he prepares him. Moses, he prepares him. Jesus, he gives victory over the, over the devil. Um, Israelites, they get to see the faithful hand of God over and over and over. God provides for them. God shows up for them. And uh, here's David. He's in the midst of this wilderness. And he said, my soul thirsts for you like in a parched, weary land where there is no water. And it says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Another translation says, Then I went in to your sanctuary. And I thought of this. I thought, like, we can come into church, and so often I love going to church. I don't think the church is perfect uh, by any means, because there's people in it. Um, and I know myself. But, um, but I love to come to church, because I love to, to learn about the Lord. And as a musician, I, like, stand for the first four songs. It's like song one... Song two, song three, and then, you know, I'm all in it on song four. I, I just the way my mind works. Great job. Um, where, where, where's the singer? I mean, all of you guys were great, but the, the girl who was singing was fantastic, um, as were the rest of you. Um, we live in the 20th century. Everyone gets a trophy. Um, so um, one of the things I thought was cool, though, is that when, like, let's say there's times in my life where maybe financially or maybe there's a strain on my marriage because I'm a knucklehead and then I, you know, um, you know, it's hard to be, do what I do, like I said, poor and alone for, for uh, over a decade. And, and so I come into church and it, it seems that when I get into the presence of God, like, it puts into perspective the things that I have going on in my life. You know, because my problems are like minuscule compared to who God is and his power. And so, you know, it's wonderful to come into the presence of God because we gain perspective. So his presence will always give us perspective to what we're going through. And it's important, you know, now that Jesus has come and, of course, David's here like in the sanctuary, he understood that, you know, the, the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant, but he also knew like a foreshadowing of what was to come, and he knew that he could be in God's presence anywhere. And now the Holy Spirit lives in us, and so the presence of God is in us and follows us wherever we go. And so we can come into God's presence at all times, and I guess I'm trying to tell you this. When you are struggling and when I am struggling, one of the greatest gifts that we have is to enter into God's presence because it gives us perspective. Like, okay, I get it. This is overwhelming. It's hard. I don't have all the answers. But God, I know that you are mighty to do something that I can't do. And that perspective is what David had. I came into your sanctuary, into your presence, and I, was, I, and I be, beheld. Does that make, does that make sense? I saw your power and glory. You know, 
get into God's presence, see his power and glory. I'm not going to do much more. Um, he says, I'll bless you. Um, my soul is satisfied. There's so much here. But I think the big thing is, are we seeking God? You know, some of us can do that first statement. God, you are my God. That's true. God is my God. I'm serving him. Yep. But then the next part, earnestly, I seek you. Most of us in this room, you know, we're nonchalant about seeking God. Unless maybe we're in the wilderness and we're just desperate for whatever. And I'm just, just telling you, like, there ain't no blessing that the, that the blesser is going to give you that's going to satisfy you like the blesser himself. That sounded stupid, but... The point is, is that God is the blessing. He's the thing that's going to satisfy us. And so, just be earnest, sincere, intense. Have conviction. Do it seriously. Seek God. His love is better than life itself. One of the other things that I realized here in the wilderness is that, thank you, Matt, that was so beautiful. Um, praise always goes before victory. And in the kingdom of God, it's not that God sends out like all the warriors and get to work and do blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like men, we want to like do all the right stuff and fix everything. And it's interesting that we see over and over again that as praise leads the way, the victory and the army and the battle, all of that follows. You know what I'm saying? And so in the wilderness, we just continue to, to praise. Our praise isn't an emotion. Our praise is a determination. It's a, it's a choice. God, I'm going to praise you regardless of where I am because you are worthy of all of our praise, God. And even if we don't get another blessing in this life, we have you, and that's the greatest treasure of all. So praise. We praise out of obedience. And then I found that in my life, um, one praise always leads to another, and another, and another, and another. And you, you got a, a list of praises a mile long. You might not be able to, to, to say that right now with what you're going through in this moment, but if you look back at your life, you'll see the list goes on and on and on. All right. What do we have, Matt? Let's do this. Uh, let's do that. Let's do uh, You've Always Been. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy of our praise, oh God. In the desert, the wilderness, oh, you remain faithful. Hey. Mm. See, I've had good days, I've had bad days, tasted victory and defeat. I've had problems, biggest planets turn to pebbles when you speak. I've had nothing to my name, never lacked for anything, no, cause you were there with me. You've been my savior, sustainer when I'm at my end, my healer, redeemer again and again. My mother and my father, brother, sister, and friend. And everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been, yeah. And everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. When I stand before you guilty, oh, your mercy bears my blame. When in pride I think I'm worthy, you point out the price you paid. When I wander far away, you keep calling out my name. You don't give up on me. You've been my 
my Savior, sustainer when I'm at my end. My healer, redeemer, again and again. My mother and my father, brother, sister, and friend. And everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. Yes, you have. Everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. You are my strength, my rock. And Jesus, you are my hope and my song. And Jesus, before my heart knows what to pray, God, you've already made a way. Yes, you have. And Jesus, you've been my Savior, sustainer when I'm at my end, my healer, redeemer, again and all my life. My mother and my father, brother, sister, and friend. And everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. Yes, you have. Everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. Oh, yes, you have, Jesus. Time again.
I don't know what you've heard this morning, but I've heard the heart of God calling out for us, calling out for you. As we were singing that last song, I couldn't help to think back to the garden when God, who's a father, came to meet with his son and daughter at the accustomed place and at the accustomed time. And they weren't there. They had hidden from his presence. And he cried out for them, Adam, where are you? And I can hear God's heart crying out for you by name. Where are you? Where are you? I long for you. Not just to know about me, but I long for you to be here with me. Yes, Lord. That I can impart my life into you and receive back from you. And Adam's answer was, we're afraid. And so we've hidden ourselves from you. And man has been hiding from God's presence ever since. But God's heart never stopped crying out, where are you? I want to meet with you. I want you to know me. I want you to know my love for you. I want you to know the life that I have for you. I don't want you to be separate from me and hiding from me. And while Chad was bringing that wonderful message, it wasn't a message, it was God's heart. I thought back to five years ago when I was going through a wilderness when they found cancer in my prostate. And I was scared. And my wife said, I believe God's given me a scripture for you. And it was Isaiah 43. And I began to read down because it talks about going through the fire. And I was going through radiation treatment. There's a verse after that. It starts out by God speaking to Israel saying, I created you. I formed you. I redeemed you. You are mine. I have called you by your name. You are mine. He said, when you go through the waters, I will be there going through them with you. And they will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame even kindle about you. You won't smell like smoke. And then the verse that struck me so much. He says, because you are precious Hallelujah. in my sight. I have given men for you. And as I read through that, I saw he gave his son for me. That's how precious I am. That's how precious. It's a heart matter. It's not religion. It's not church. It's a heart matter. God found this man's heart that was always for him, but he was afraid. He was running. He didn't know what this God was like, even though he'd been like so many that are raised in church. But God found him in a room, 12 by 12 in the Dominican Republic. And if we took the time this morning, we could tell the story of how God found each and every one of you, those of you online and he would find that each one is a personal, private, individual story. It's not a cookie-cutter approach. God found you where you were at just the right time. But he didn't leave you then. That's the beginning, not the end. He wants to meet with you, reveal himself to you, pour his love out on you, and you say, but all right, that's not where I am right now. I'm dry. I'm in a, weir I'm in a wilderness and I'm weary. 
the beginning is this. You get honest with Him of where you are. I've gone through this many times. God, I'm dry. I'm preaching great, but I'm dry. When I leave here and go in my office, I'm dry. And get honest with Him, but to do that, you've got to be honest with yourself. And you've got to be willing to humble yourself and admit where you are. And then you ask Him to help you. You can't get yourself out. But you have to humble yourself, admit where you are, and ask Him to come and to lead you out. And He is faithful to do that. God's heart is calling out to His people. I want to know you. I want you to know me, to walk with me throughout your day in every situation. I want you to learn to trust me because I want to show how much I love you and then show others through my love for you. But maybe you're here this morning or you're, you're watching online and we're so glad you are. Maybe you, you just tuned in or maybe you're here because you wanted to see Chad and see him perform. Chad doesn't perform. He shares. He shares. And Matt did a great job too. So maybe you're here this morning and, 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 and there's something stirring in your heart of what he said, but you don't know whether it's really true or not. I won't get into my testimony. I don't want to take the time this morning. I've shared it before, but I was one of those seekers. God kept pulling at me and answering my questions. And I was a lawyer and this was, they're hard to get through to. Yeah, I know, dear. But there was a moment in my living room, in my hallway, when God met me, 36 years of age, still in my three-piece suit. He met me there. And when I got honest and realized, Jesus, I don't know whether you're real. I want to do this, but I don't know whether you're real or not. And God gave me the key I needed. Suddenly I saw I would be better off knowing that he's not real than live in the turmoil I was going through not knowing. And this was my great prayer to God. Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you're real, I'm asking you to come into my heart. And that moment I knew he came in. I knew something changed inside of me. I didn't understand anything about it. And that was 42 years ago. And I am pursuing him more today than I ever have before because he's pursuing me. So if you're watching this morning online or you're here and you've never responded to that call, maybe you're like Adam, you're hiding because you're afraid of what God's going to ask you to do or you're afraid that he is going to reveal things about you that you don't want to see or he's going to punish you. No, God's coming to you because he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, his beloved son, who was precious in his sight, but he sent him to die on that cross to pay for your sins and mine. They're paid for, but you have to come and receive them by inviting Jesus into your life as your Savior and then putting your life into his hands to be Lord. That's your part. And you do that by faith. It's a decision, an act of your will. It's not joining a church. And maybe you were like I was. I was raised in church my whole life. So I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I believe he paid for the sins of the world. But I never asked him to come into my life and receive him as the one that paid for my sins. If you've never done that, I want to help you this morning. Whether you're here or you're watching online, here's all you need to do. I just want you to say this prayer with me. All you have to do is mean it as best you can, and God will meet you where you are. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me.
I repent of it. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. And I put my life into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen. If you said that today for the first time, or maybe you recommitted your life to the Lord this morning, whether you were here or you were watching online, there's something we want to give you. So if you're watching online, here's what you need to do. Tomorrow morning, call our office. There's a number at the bottom of your screen, 508-336-4110. Because there's something, somebody will answer the phone. We want to send you some free material. So please make sure you do that. And then tune in again next week at 9.30 or come and join us here. We'd love to see you here. If you prayed that this morning and you're here, either you prayed it for the first time or you made a recommitment of your life. When you leave here in just a couple of moments, if you would go around to the right of the foyer, there's a place that says Common Ground. There'll be some people there that can give you the same material we're offering to you online. Thank you so much. Thank you for your patience and listening. Right now what we're going to do is we're going to receive a special offering for Chad and for his ministry.